let's explore a little bit the principles and the science behind it because I know that this was important to your journey as well and I think mm-hmm. for, for many of the people <laughs> listening to this podcast you know it's it's part of their questions around this so so can you share with us what mindfulness training really is Mindfulness is like going to the gym for your mind. So just like you go to the gym for, I don't know, your six pack and your abs or big shoulders, whatever you want. (laughs) It's like going uh, to the gym for the mind. And also like in the regular gym, you have this gym equipment, right? And this time you have gym equipment to train for your so-called mental six pack. Mm. So... If you look at what kind of gym equipment there is to train your mental six-pack, it is twofold. You can do meditation and there is a part of education. And I think that together is what makes a mindfulness training. My name is Catherine Ann Byam and I'm your host. What's your purpose and how does it integrate with sustaining life itself? For some of us, this question is a deep ache that we spend a lifetime trying to find, perhaps shifting direction as we learn and grow from one path to another. For many of us, our children give us a clear definition. Providing for them becomes our reason for being. For others, it's about enjoying the present moment, ever so fleeting and ever so beautiful. For still others, it can be financial, status, contribution or impact. In this podcast, my guest and I will share with you tips, ideas, and methods on how to build a career that integrates with who you are and the life you want to lead. We will explore the social foundation on which to build your transition and an ecological ceiling above which we need not climb so that we live not just for ourselves, but for our collective ability to thrive. Welcome to the Purpose Driven Career Podcast, Do What Matters. Today, my guest is Marie-Claire Kryanoff, and she's the founder of Zenter. Zenter is an online platform offering mental well-being programs for modern minds and busy lifestyles. With over nine years of experience in large corporations, L'Oreal, Diageo, Biasdorf, working in finance, marketing, and sales roles, she has a deep understanding of the dynamics at play, the pressure on targets, tight deadlines, difficult conversations, and internal politics. She will take us along her journey, learning about and developing concrete, scientifically proven tools and techniques to actualize your greatest calm and fullest potential. Marie-Claire, welcome to Do What Matters. Thank you so much. So great to be here. Really great to have you. I've had you before on my Courageous Career Club, and it was such a wonderful experience. I decided to have you back. So it's really great that you've come to join us and to help us navigate this space of mindfulness for the uninitiated. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me again. And yeah, I always love to talk about mindfulness. Of course, it's my favorite topic in the world. And uh, yeah, share what everybody deserves to know, like how to feel good in the end. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that. I'm keen for you to share your backstory. You were not always a Zen master. How did you come to this? Good question. Well, definitely, I've not always been a Zen master. I think also if you would have asked me, I don't know, 10 years ago, or you would have told me that I would have a business in mindfulness and meditation, I would have probably said, uh, I don't think that you're talking about me. Yeah, I would have always described myself as a go-getter. Sitting still was definitely not my thing. And um, very scientific. And 
even though I didn't really know what mindfulness or meditation was, it seemed a bit vague and, and fluffy to me. So um, yeah, I would have never imagined. How it started for me, um, it started actually in a period where I was putting in long hours at work. Also, I had difficulties falling asleep because basically my mind was always on and maybe you recognize that. And I would wake up at five in the morning and then immediately, boom, my mind would be switched on again and I wouldn't be able to fall back asleep. And during that period, I had this little routine of going downstairs my house to the coffee place there to get my morning fix. And it was super crucial for me in that period. <laughs> and um, yeah, that one, I remember it was this one cold spring morning that I went downstairs to get my coffee. And there um, I saw this man that I'd already seen on a few occasions and he was standing in front of me in line. And yeah, he asked me, how are you? And I don't even know why I told him, but I said, honestly, I feel so exhausted. I'm so tired. I've been working so much and being under quite a bit of pressure for deadlines and I'm sleeping poorly. So yeah, that's it. And yeah, so he turned out to be a former investment banker who was the first to bring mindfulness to the Netherlands. And then he said to me, why don't you try meditation? And at that moment, I was like, meditation, <laughs> I thought in my mind, oh my God, no, like I really don't have time for anything and definitely not for meditation. And yeah, and then he just started to explain to me more about meditation and how it impacts the brain more on a scientific level. And then he challenged me to meditate and to start with three weeks, 10 minutes a day. And yeah, then I thought, okay, well, I have nothing to lose. And how difficult can it really be? Like 10 minutes. So yeah, that's where I started. I meditated the first few weeks. Yeah, these 10 minutes seemed to last a lifetime. My mind was going all over the place and it was so hard. And I would sit with two phones meditating because I was afraid that maybe the timer wouldn't go off and I would sit there forever. And then, yeah, in the third week, I remember I had this headache and my eyes were kind of flickering in their sockets all the time after work and it became more intense and then after a few minutes of meditation there was this like some like poof like in my mind and it would feel like something in my head released and my eyes started to water and my shoulders start to drop and I felt more calm after which I slept like a baby and this started to happen also the days after and and so forth. So that was really the start of transformation. Like it really changed so much in my life, of course, to feel more calm and sleep well. So from from a coffee exchange, you decided to jump on this? Yeah, yeah. It just I, I thought I have nothing to lose. And yeah, like literally what I said, how hard can it be? 10 minutes. <laughs> I thought 10 minutes should be fine. <laughs> I guess I guess this speaks to something else. It kind of speaks to you being ready in that moment. Like, like you know, the, the teacher appears when the student is ready kind of thing. It's It feels like that, right? Yeah, I think I was definitely really also wanting to find something that would help me to feel better. Definitely. Yeah. So what has mindfulness training brought to you in terms of real changes? I mean, you've talked about easing the headaches and, and being able to sleep, but tell me more about, about what you got from, from doing this training. Yeah. So I would say in the first period, it really helped me to, let's say, to tame my nonstop mind from going always like 
planning, thinking, worrying, going over the same stories over and over again to actually be more calm. Also, it helped me to manage stress uh, at work way better because my energy changed and I became so much more grounded during the day and also able to yeah, better, let's say, cope with everything that would come my way during the day. So I would be less like impacted by it somehow, which was um, an interesting experience as it changes your work life and people start to see it also around you. And yeah, more on a personal level, I would say it also helped me to manage better strong emotions so maybe you recognize it or not but when you have very strong emotions such as I don't know sadness anger fear that you feel completely drawn into it and that the whole world seems to be that and mindfulness has really taught me to like step back and see it from a different perspective so I could really more easily instead of staying in it to really step out of it which I never had the tools or ability to do. That's really powerful thank you and what would you say is your biggest learning during this period? Of course it has been quite a period now but when I look back over the past like eight eight years it has already been I would say that I came to understand that we're really all minds made. And the things that we want most in life, we all want like good health, joy, uh, freedom, confidence. It all starts in our mind. And learning to train and team up with your own mind, so basically to team up with yourself, your own thoughts, your emotions, and your character, that is like truly the biggest gift you can give yourself. Yeah. You know, I've been thinking about something and as I'm going through a transition at the moment in my own life, I've been thinking about what I've learned from entrepreneurship and, you know, changing from the corporate space into this and spending all this time working on myself, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the reflections that came to me was this, this idea of what the ego is and what it could become. And and I, I don't know if you can you can speak to that with, with the practice of mindfulness and how your ego kind of evolves. Hmm. Yeah, so I would say, of course, there's many ways of interpreting ego. But in the end, it's all these kind of internal thought and behavioral um, systems, right? We all have these pre-programmations as of how we act and how we think and what we do. Um, according to maybe our past or also what we we just got through nurture, let's say nurture and nature. So, and there, what is so interesting is that all these like standard programming inside ourselves that actually we can sort of reprogram that through the concept of neuroplasticity. So neuroplasticity is actually something that is quite new we used to think that we couldn't change, but actually now we know we can because we can actually rewire and reorganize our brains. So we can create new neuron pathways and we can deactivate old ones, which which creates so much opportunity for us to, to actually um, transform within who we are, of course. Yeah. And, and I feel as if like I can tap in better to the roots of my ego 
now that I've spent this time working on myself and and I yes. think this is all part of the the process of mindfulness so yeah I, I love this I love this concept let's explore a little bit the principles and the science behind it because I know that this was important to your journey as well and I think mm-hmm. for for many of the people <laughs> listening to this podcast you know it's it's part of their questions around mm-hmm. this stuff that sometimes can be perceived as woo-woo if you haven't tried it right so so can you share with us what mindfulness training really is yeah, so um, of course I can make it quite complex, but how I always explain it is that mindfulness is like going to the gym for your mind. So just like you go to the gym for, I don't know, your six pack and your abs or big shoulders, whatever you want. <laughs> it's like going uh, to the gym for the mind. And also like in the regular gym, you have this gym equipment, right? And this time you have gym equipment to train for your so-called mental Mm six-pack. So if you look at what kind of gym equipment there is to train your mental six-pack, it is twofold. You can do meditation and there is a part of education. And I think that together is what makes a mindfulness training. Well, this is so fascinating. I I want you to go, go deeper on this. Tell me more about how to separate those two, the meditation and the education how to approach that? Yeah, so I would say meditation, uh, of course, there's different forms of meditation. Um, so to train your focus, to handle better emotions. But in general, meditation is really the part that can change the blueprint of the brain. And it can do so in many different ways, but I can just highlight a few so you have an idea. So the first one would be that it changes the frequency of the brain waves. So maybe you've heard sometime that we have uh, brain waves running on a certain frequency and mindfulness allows these brain waves to go from like beta waves, which are between 12 and 35 Hertz to alpha and theta waves, which are only about four to eight Hertz. So basically what it does is that these alpha and theta frequencies, they really promote relaxation, uh, positivity, and they reduce the feelings of stress and anxiety. So that's already one part. But also in the long term, it really changes the brain from the inside. For example, it shrinks the amygdala. And the amygdala is a little knob in the back of the head that is responsible for stress and anxiety. And it also, on on the other side of shrinking this amygdala, it grows the gray matter, which is for emotional regulation. It helps us to plan and to problem solve. So it really helps us from both sides to deal better with issues, but also to become uh, less stressed, less quickly. Then I would say as a fourth important one, it also helps to grow the cortical thickness, which is for learning and memory. So that's also a great plus point. I would say that it helps us to to learn and grow uh in whatever we do well this is really important stuff and especially today because today the average manager is faced with far more challenges than perhaps 10 20 years ago where we're dealing with so much weight i would say Mm. of of things like climate change of issues with the economy of the war that's happening you know we've just come out of covid we still have more viruses going around you know there's a lot that people need to deal with in addition Mm. to supply chain pressures and everything else that's happening to businesses today so i feel as if there there is so much of a desperate need for 
for all of us to sort of roll this into our lives. What are your thoughts on whether or not companies are doing enough in your mind to to really integrate this in their workforce? Yeah, so I mean, always the question is, of course, what is enough? I do see a really positive development in a lot of organizations. Uh, there is more and more budgets for, let's say, personal development. They, the companies also start to see that there is a lot of burnout, right? We've heard it in the last, I don't know, 10, 20 years so much. First, it was this term like burnout. What is it? And yeah, so it's clear that there's just too much impulse around us and too much pressure. So I do see that companies start to take it more serious and they start to do more with mindfulness training and meditation uh, some companies start programs or they use apps. So I do, do see a positive development, but it's still, uh, yeah, of course, there's still a lot of work to do here uh, in this area. Yeah. You mentioned about education and we haven't dug into that one yet. So tell me how education is part of that sort of psychological gym that we talked about. Yeah, so yeah, just exactly as you said, there's these two parts, uh, like two gym equipment tools, the, the meditation and the education. And the education, you can see, uh, if I put it very simply within mindfulness training, it's really different themes for self-development and getting to know yourself better, because that's, of course, what it's about, creating this awareness uh, that you can actually see your maybe also less functional patterns, thoughts and behavioral patterns, and actually change them to actualize your greatest potential and also to experience your fullest calm. So if I give a few examples of the educational topics that would be treated in a mindfulness training, they would be around, let's say, energy management. Uh, how do you work energy-wise? It's a big part in our lives to actually have this consistent energy during our day and there's so much behind it but it's also stress management how does stress work um what can i do to experience less stress um let's look at also emotions management so what can i do with my emotions um how can i feel less drawn into them and step out of them perhaps how to deal with obstacles and challenges so it's really a full on let's say, self-development kind of program, I would say. Yeah. No, it's really powerful. This is all great. And I feel excited. Like I'm thinking about my transition and I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be something that I want to integrate more into my life. I mean, I'm not, how to explain myself. I'm not someone who meditates today, but at the same time, I do spend time on my personal development a lot and I work on myself. I spend that alone time to write and, and writing is a big part of the way that I process and, and evacuate and, and manage the emotions and stuff like this. But how the heck do we get started? Like <laughs> how much practice before meditation actually gets easy? <laughs> yeah. I can really imagine your question. First of all, I think also it's always a package of things, right? We have to figure out what works for us. So yeah, coming back to your question, how to get started. The first thing is just to do it, right? Just like I did so many years ago, um, you just start it and then you ask how. So there's a few ways to do this. You could or maybe download an app. Uh, I'm always quite a fan of Calm and Headspace. Uh, they kind of, yeah give you guided meditations you can also go maybe to your local gym where they have a mindfulness class and ask a teacher or yeah see something like this or of course find a mindfulness trainer or coach 
And um, that is quite a different approach because in an app, of course, you will be guided and you will experience the calming of your nervous system. But very, um, yeah, almost never they touch on also the educational part. So it's only like one part of the gym equipment, let's say. So, yeah, I think these three things would be of a great start. It would be, yeah, it's very helpful if at least someone that knows about it tells you what to do and how to meditate. Also uh, good to know is I do have an ebook on my website and there it also provides some steps to to get started so that could be helpful. No perfect. I want to I want to ask one more question before we wrap up today. And mm-hmm. as we touch on this topic of apps and coaching etc I wanted to get your thoughts on basically how we can integrate more support for ourselves in how we how we manage our lifestyles, right? So my my perception, having gone through these, these last four years, is that it's been really helpful for me as a business owner, for example, to have time off, right? So having having time when I just completely stay apart from work, not not just a traditional holiday, but really just, you know, that that sort of midweek even time to just separate myself from my issues. It's mm-hmm. also helped me to incorporate coaching, right? To have someone who's there either on, on my sort of mental side or on my business side or, or even on my physical well-being. It's also helped me to have apps that help me manage some of the difficulties. Do you think that this is a, a, a recommended approach to people in careers now? So Gen Z just joining the workforce or mm-hmm. even more mature people who are experiencing some of these complexities for the first time do you think that marrying up all of these things will have the best results or what are your thoughts I know this is not a scientific question that you've probably not done the research but but what are your thoughts on this um well first of all I think carving out time for yourself is truly the biggest gift you can give yourself uh, and working on your self-development because you're going to be with you until the last day. So you better like make it the best. Uh, so getting to know yourself, as what I said before, your own character, your thoughts, uh, that is so helpful for the rest of your life. So I think it is really invaluable to make that decision. Okay, um, even if it's 10 minutes a day um, to start doing some self-development work in whatever area and also what I learned because I was so much into self-development always is to stick with something for a while so whatever you feel is most important for you in that moment whether it's um, something in the area of meditation or mindfulness or um, maybe NLP neuro-linguistic programming or mindset it doesn't matter but actually to fully embody that one practice first before you go to the next. Because what we often see is that we start to read so many books, but actually what changes us is the practice. So we need to really consistently for a certain time do this to allow our brain to rewire, to allow our new habits to be created. So that is uh, what I would maybe, um, yeah, recommend for that. Yeah, perfect. So how can my listeners get in touch and engage with your work? Um, well, of course, first of all, via my website, they can always have a look there if they, and uh, feel free to send me an email, drop me a message. I always uh, respond to anyone happy to, to hear um, yeah, their stories and through Instagram. 
or LinkedIn, whatever they prefer. And um, always love to get into touch with anyone interested in the topic. And uh, if there's any questions, happy to uh, share. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us, Marie Claire. Yeah, thanks so much for uh, inviting me again. This episode was brought to you today by the Courageous Career Club. Have you picked up your own copy of Do What Matters, the Purpose Driven Career Transition Guidebook? To find out how you can get your copy, as well as resources that go alongside it, visit my website, www.catherineannbyam.com, or engage with me on the socials. I'm looking forward to hearing from you.